0: Hello and welcome to episode eleven sixteen of the Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, November 29th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Are
1: we eleven sixteen or eleven
0: seventeen? You put fifteen for the one with Kevin Hastings and Jason. So,
1: oh, I got it right. You got it right.
0: I'm, I'm getting ahead of things. Fair to question, right? I get the date. I get the number wrong. There. That's not an impossibility, but uh, we got it right on this one. I did put 29th or 28th up there instead of 29th, but that's okay. Um, we got another news and notes episode because we took the holiday weekend, uh, holiday week off. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving with, with everything. I know you've come out of it sick, um, mm-hmm. thankfully not COVID, but uh, I know you're dealing with a bit of a cold. Jen, dealing with the same thing. It's that, it's that time of year, right? You basically yeah. uh exist in the world, and you, of course, having children. Uh, yeah it's to it,
1: your potential it's the kids fault i was telling my buddy last night i was like i i i did not get sick for a good decade before and I had you get children. kids and uh, yeah uh well part of it was I, I was you know an alcoholic and so the amount of alcohol I was putting in my system is like you know it's a disinfectant right like i was <laughs> um it's protecting and, me this is yeah. a good thing for me the, the moment I put my kid, my, my eldest kid in childcare, it was like, I got the worst flu of game life. over. Yeah. Yep. No, game it's over. been downhill for 10 years now,
0: but you sound good. So it doesn't sound like it's yeah. uh, totally affecting you too much. And, um, we did want to make sure that we came back with, uh, with some news and notes because uh, a few things have happened. In fact, a little move this morning, we are still going to get into position, uh, deep dives here. We're going to start with starting pitchers on Friday, but, um, I figure since we've been gone for a while, let's cover some news. We got some moves, we got another couple trades. Uh, we have just a rumor on a guy, but I'm really curious your thoughts on him because we haven't seen this guy for a long time. And I do think once he signs, and we'll get to him in a moment, um, people are going to be like, Hey, let's uh let's take a look back at this train. But let's start with the big moves that the Angels got up to. They are continuing to have like they've already had a pretty big offseason. I mean, you go out and you get uh, a pretty solid arm in Tyler Anderson. Then you make two trades for a right fielder and a third baseman. You know, I'm not saying that's it for their offseason. It certainly shouldn't be, but that's a nice start to the offseason. They made two trades here, acquiring Hunter Renfro from Milwaukee and Gio Urshela from the Twins. Let's start with the Renfro move. A little bit of a surprise. I don't know that anybody saw him as on the block. We're not. I don't think we're always in tune of everyone that's on the block. Not everyone who gets traded has a you know two-week period of rumors before that trade. No offense to Hunter Renfro. He's not somebody that we're following up to the minute trade rumors. So the fact that he was traded isn't the most surprising thing. It's just we weren't uh, necessarily putting him front and center as a trade candidate. But he goes out to L.A., and this this makes some sense here because obviously they traded your boy Marsh mm-hmm. and the continued struggles of Joe Adele. I mean, I don't want to say it's over just because I'll, I'll leave the door cracked, Uh, for a 24-year-old, especially who doesn't even have 600 plate appearances. But I'm only leaving it a bit cracked. Like I'm I'm just not that keen on Joe Adele really figuring it out in any sort of tangible way. You just don't rebound from a 35% K rate and 5% walk rate in 557 plate appearances at the pros. We'll see. It is still a small sample. But the bottom line was they needed some outfield. They go get Renfro, who has really rounded into a hell of a player. When he first started as a Padre, he was a prototypical all-or-nothing power outfielder corner guy no real batting average too many strikeouts no walks had the power mediocre defense at best starting with when he went to Tampa Bay by the way this will be his fifth team in as many seasons which some people say oh that's a negative no one wants him but then you go the other way and say well all these teams did want Renfro as well Uh, but he started with quality defense in Tampa Bay it cost him his hitting, and I'm I'm being tongue-in-cheek there. I don't think being good at defense made him go 141 BABIP. I think it was more the small sample than anything else. But he did improve his defense. Like, okay, Renfro did that, but where did the hitting go? Well, he got it back in Boston. He put up a 113 WRC+. Plus, and then a 124 last year in a career season. The only thing that kept it from being a magical year was injury. 125 games. So he only hit 29 homers after hitting 31 in 144 games the year before. But he has rounded into a nice batting average type guy, 259, 255, the last two years with 30 plus homer power and a quality enough fielder that the team's going to play him damn near every day. And as far as park factors go, this is going to be a pretty neutral move here for Renfro. Uh, I think we associate Milwaukee as, as very positive, And I, I don't know what the reputation is on the Angels. I don't think it's regarded as particularly positive or negative. It's more neutral uh, as reputation, but in play, it's about as positive as Milwaukee. This is going to be a pretty neutral park move here. What do you think of Renfro as an angel?
1: I mean, I love it for, um, for the angels. Uh, you know, I think he's uh, got a great arm, you know, defense, I think is fine. Uh, I don't think it, you know, I don't think it played as well last year as maybe it had uh, the previous season. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look from a power perspective, you look at like his x home runs in Milwaukee versus ex home runs, uh, if he had played with the Angels last year, and he probably gained two or three home runs. Uh, so, yeah, I think it hurts a little bit in terms of, like, where he hits in the lineup. Like, I think we have been projected, like, sixth or seventh right and now. I, I get that. I, I totally get that. Like,
0: even even if you say Rendon it can't be trusted to be healthy, you're still probably looking at fifth for, for Renfro. But yeah. the players he's behind, it's much better than Milwaukee. Milwaukee's offense was uh surprisingly bad last year relative mm-hmm. to their reputation and the fact that they were in contention most of the year I think people when you look under the hood you know Roddy Tellez had a good year Adamas wasn't bad but they did not have a very good offense oh
1: no that team was carried by their pitching like yeah you know. absolutely
0: and and Damn. it was pitching and a few offensive guys it was Renfro Adamas and Tellez they were really the and- only three that were all that good
1: and how bad is that offense gonna look if the rumors about them wanting to trade Les and Colton Wong are true? Like, yeah, this could be a really, really ugly offense. Um are they like okay, so when they made the the hater
0: trade, mm-hmm. I didn't really have any problems with it. I thought they were getting back a relatively comparable lefty, got a prospect, and they were saving some money. You know, a lot of people want to say, Oh, it's a sell, they're 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 cutting bait. I'm like, Well, they're not, because I just Again, I don't think it really hurts them that much. They obviously didn't make the playoffs. Now they make this move. You're talking about maybe trading to less. Are, are they low key, you know, clearing the books here uh, out from under a potentially quality team with three, two aces and and a and a budding stud in Peralta.
1: I don't know that they're. I don't think that they're selling. Like I don't think are they're they going to reinvest this money. What I think, think it. I I don't know that they're doing that either. I think this is like a Cleveland Guardian situation where oh, that's a good. Comment. You know where they don't want to spend the money. You know they're gonna be people like, well, it's small market. It's you know this is that's bullshit. I had this argument with my dad uh, during Thanksgiving he's all like, Oh, not every team can afford every player. It's like bullshit. Or Look shit. what the Padres just did. Or like, yeah, the Padres had called that him... small market for years. Yeah. You know, and now they're, uh, and, and now they've got two, $300 million players. And that doesn't include like what they spent on Hosmer and other guys. Mm-hmm. Like, every team can afford it. It's team, a choice. Right? Mm-hmm. Cause we we're talking about judge. Um, he's like, well, giants are only one of the teams that can afford them. So no, every team can afford it. Every team can, um, so, but I do think that this is a team or an organization that wants to do things cheaply. And I think they're going to start to move some of these guys, especially because they do have guys coming up from the miners that are ready or pretty close ready. You especially got South in the yeah. Yeah, that's,
0: that's why moving Renfro you know, doesn't immediately jump out as a, some sort of salary dump. I, when I saw the move, I was like, okay, that actually makes sense. Joey Weimer, a guy we saw in, in Fall League two years ago, Sal Frelick, who you mentioned, and Garrett Mitchell, who actually debuted in the majors this year. That's that's three damn near ready outfielders that they can have up there. They should all be in the majors at some point yeah. this year. And so that does make it less of a dump here with Renfro specifically
1: and i mean with a guy like talez as much as we love Telez and he mm-hmm. was a great you know great fantasy option like from a real life perspective like we saw cj Cron a few years ago have 30 home runs and then get you know uh non tendered the, like, like it's it's a dime a dozen kind, kind of guy like well, we know? saw this
0: exact team Take Chris Carter and unceremoniously dump him after he led the league in homers. Yeah. And Pelez didn't lead the league in homers. So I feel you on that. They understand how relatively easy it is to find a power hitting first
1: baseman. And you have, you have Kesson Hero on the roster. Like, I mean, so like, uh, I don't think they're selling because I, I don't, I don't know that you can take two of the top, you know, 10 pitchers in baseball on your, on in your rotation and some other really intriguing guys, right? They just gave money to Aaron Ashby. Yeah, Peralta um, has Peralta. shown the
0: flashes of greatness. Lauer as a five is so yeah. good. like the, so they the have a great is, rotation.
1: Yeah, it's arguably the best in baseball. Um, so, no, I don't think they're selling. Like I don't think good. this is a Cincinnati Reds situation, uh, but I do think it is kind of a, a Cleveland Guardian situation where they've got a certain payroll limitation that they want to stick to. Mm-hmm. Um, they know some of these guys who have had good years in arbitration are going to get paid a little bit more, and so getting rid of some of the older guys, you know, you know, Colton Wong's great. I love Colton Wong, but like, you know, they've got you know Ruiz uh, that they just traded for. They yes, got Rosario. They, yep. they just got Rosario. That they traded for. Like they can, one of those guys can probably handle second base. Um, you know, or they can move Luis Urias back over there. Uh, it's, a, you know, you can play second base. So like, I just think there are a number of these guys that I think we're going to be like, Whoa, what are they doing? But at the end of the day, they're just, I think they're just trying to be sm- quote unquote smart with their money. Um, you know, and
0: and, and the outfield especially makes sense. Like they should maybe yeah. consider trading Tyrone Taylor too. Cause again, they've got yeah. three guys ready to come up, keep Yelich, you know, have Mitchell and, and Weimer. Uh, up on the team early, and then you got you got uh, uh, Freilich ready to come up at some point during the season. Only problem a, like is that.
1: both Freilich and Weimer are not on the fort again Exactly. Um, I think that I got a question in my chat on. I do have two I'm, spots. I'm now though. chatting on Monday. Yes, so. you're chatting on Mondays. Oh, it's probably going to move
0: from 12 Eastern to one. Eastern. Yeah, though,
1: right? one eastern It'll be one Eastern moving forward. Um, but I got someone asked me like, "Well, where where you know how soon do we see Weimer? How soon do we see Freilich?" Um, and uh and then Ruiz was the other one he asked about so Ruiz is the only one on the 40 man. So I think Ruiz breaks camp with a team. Um Garrett Mitchell breaks camp with a team. Um uh, the other two guys probably go down to the minors at least for the start of the season. I think Freelick could force his way up. I'm not as big on Weimer. I'm a bigger um, Weimer guy. No, I think Freelick is, is a dude. Um so I think Freelick could force his way up pretty early, but I don't think either of those guys are up before like the end of April, maybe even before Memorial Day. It'll depend on need,
0: really, because they both hit AAA for about 40-something games, Mm -hmm. and they crushed. So, you know, I wouldn't even be too surprised if one of them found a way to break camp if they moved like a Tyrone Taylor. Gary Mitchell's already penciled in at center, and then Yelich and and Taylor on the corners. If they want to use one of the rookies instead of Taylor, I could see that, but otherwise, that's it. Uh, Jansen Junk, Elvis Baguero, and Adam uh, Seminaris went back. None of them really moving the needle. They were 7, 18, and 33 on the Angels prospect list coming into this year, Junk being 7, Seminaris being 18, and Paguero being 33. Pagaro, sinker-slider guy, uh, could be a, a leverage reliever at some point, but hes I don't think he's going to displace Williams, so I don't really see anything uh, here that's fantasy-relevant going
1: back to Milwaukee. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, Junk, I think, is an interesting guy. Even though he blew up my main event team uh, when I streamed him, streamed uh, but right as things stand, he's probably like their seventh or eighth starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the rotation is just too deep. I mean, you know, like they still have Adrian Hauser. Like, yeah, Hauser's just sitting there as a six, and that's a pretty yeah. damn good six. So I, I just think he's probably seventh or eighth on the pecking order right now uh and so he would need a couple injuries or or something like that uh to to move into the rotation so i don't think any of these guys uh, back to renfro though like i um i think renfro is one of these uh power hitters that is a bit underrated he's got like a league average zone contact a ton of power his defense is going to keep him on the field and like you said adele has just shown he is not ready to be an everyday major league outfielder um so I think And again, that, you, you rarely dig out of a, a hole like that with
0: that kind yeah. of strikeout rate. Like we just don't have precedent of guys climbing out of that kind of hole, even for a small sample, 500-something plate appearances, and becoming like a 24% K rate type guy. He's at 35 right now.
1: And one of the other issues with Dell is he's atrocious defensively.
0: Yeah, so he's like,
1: not good. Like you would think a guy with his speed and his athleticism would be a really good defender. He's not, he's not, not a good defender at all. He's just really bad at tracking the ball. Imagine if he didn't
0: have the speed and athleticism to cover some of the margin for error, Yeah, that'd that'd make him even worse. I think Mm. you make a great point on, sorry, one thing on, on Renfro. Uh, one fifty three is his ADP. Thirty. I love. 000, I love I think that's a great price. What, were you, what was the last thing you were going to say on uh,
1: Yeah, I was. I was actually just going to say the same thing on Renfro, which is I, the ADP. I think is is prime for picking. Um, and I think while he may get a little bit of movement up just because his name was in the news, he could get some movement down because there are going to be people like, well, he's leaving, you know, Milwaukee. It was a playoff. You know, caliber team going to a bad team, and uh, the and, and Milwaukee reputation great too. Hard, like I yeah, said, and, yep. But I, th- I, I think people put Milwaukee day,
0: up here, and they don't have a read of where Anaheim is.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to hit 30 home runs with a 250 batting average. So, like, I think and that I, has a lot of value. I think he's
0: – I think Renfro has really strong 40 homer upside. If mm-hmm. he finds the health, which he ha- – that has been a struggle. Um, You know, he got hurt last year and has had some missed time. But if he can play a buck 50 – I think there's 40 homer power there with Urshela, um, They got, they gave back even less in that deal. So let's just focus on Urshela. We haven't penciled it as a shortstop right now uh, with Rendon at third. Obviously Rendon is a huge question mark because of his health. Do you think Urshela plays shortstop for them over 30 games?
1: If they don't make a move, then yes. Um, but I think they're gonna make a move. Uh one last thing on Renfro, I, I was just looking it up as as we were finishing. Uh hit three twenty nine when there wasn't a shift in place. Um, Ooh. now there will be shifts. Like you just yes. won't see a huge overshifts. So like I don't want to say like, hey, bump up the batting average, but maybe mm-hmm. we can bump up the bat at least he can keep the, the what we've seen, which is Yeah, like, these two fifties
0: with thirty home run
1: power is excellent in like, today's right? game. Right now, Steamer projection for 240. So, like, I'm I'm above that. Um, so, uh, but Urshela, I I think they're going to go out and get some. I think he can play a really really good third base. I don't know that he has got the range for shortstop, especially on a daily basis. I feel like there's another move coming, even if it's like a smaller move to pick up. Like, uh, you know, you and I kind of joked about it prior to the start. Like, I don't think they're going to necessarily be in on any of the big name guys. Like, I don't think they're going to be on Swanson or Correa or or Turner because Art Moreno is trying to sell the team. And I think they want to pick up another big, necessarily huge contract, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of those guys, especially long term. But, like, I can see, like, an Elvis Andrews. Like, I can see them, like, go get a guy who, you know, is league average with a bat and but plays pretty decent defense still. Um, you know, uh, or you know, Kyle Farmer obviously got traded already to uh, to Minnesota. I mean, we saw Minnesota last year like trade tr- traded for someone and then trade them away with sure, yeah. kind of the But uh, a, a Kyle Farmer type, a guy who is probably below league average of the bat, and you know, plays good defense. Um, to try to help that pitching staff out a little bit, uh, and I think Rendon gets moved over to first. Uh, it, you know, and plays there, and I think. I think there's got to be some serious concerns about Jared Walsh. Um, I, you know, We don't have any news yet about how he's doing or anything like that. Um, and there is just no track record to point to on how guys, how hitters return from Thrasc outlet. We know that pitchers can struggle back from it. We've only had a few examples um, of guys who've actually been able to come back from that surgery mm-hmm. and be anything, like much less, like be good. I think Alex Cobb is the only one who's been good, uh, since returning. It took him a while to get good. Um, and so I don't think I think maybe it just takes a long time to recover from that and, and be feel back to yourself. And guys just don't get the, those opportunities late in their career, especially. So, I, I wonder that if even if Walsh is good, like he could be in a platoon situation too. Um, I just think there are a lot of concerns on Jared Walsh with this kind of move, because unless they are going to roll with Urshela because at short, because I, but I just don't think he, I don't think he's built for it. I think he's a really good third baseman, and I don't, I just don't know that he's got the range for short. And
0: you were saying that you thought maybe um, Urshela uh, over at third, then you push Rendon Rendon over at first, yeah, and that costs uh, what's his head some time. Yeah. Uh, what's his Walsh uh, Walsh, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, no, I think there is, I think there's some real uh, potential to that because I wasn't thinking about that. I was like, well, wait, what, you know, what's going to be the move here? And that would make some sense, especially if they are worried about Walsh. Bottom line is they do have some flexibility there. We'll see what they do. And if they do bring in somebody else who could man short on more of an everyday basis. With Urshela, again, gets a park move, an even bigger park move than Renfro, of course, because American Family Field, where the Brewers play, is better than Target Field. In fact, it's quite a jump, especially on home runs specifically. He's going to go, Urshela is from the 23rd home run park for righties at 87 park factor. All the way up to number seven at a 112 park factor for Angel Stadium, and again, that's for righty specifically. And he's not some big power dude, but you could be looking at maybe a return to the 21 homers that we saw in 2019 from Urshel. And I know that was rabbit ball infused, but maybe just the better park. And uh, as long as he's playing, you know, another 500 plus plate appearances. <laughs> upper teens low 20s home run rate with a good uh with a good batting average for shellis so i still like him as a fantasy asset i do agree that uh if if they do want to put him at short every day that could be a bit of a challenge yeah I agree. all right let's move on to this big move now i think people were surprised by this due to the 10 uh the tenure of the deal the three-year aspect of the jose abreu deal but abreu going to houston them getting a first baseman that doesn't surprise me we knew they were going to be in the market and they go one old for another, going from Gurriel to Abreu. But make no mistake, this is an upgrade. Uh, Abreu is better than Gurriel. And the simple fact is the White Sox didn't bring him back, not for anything against Abreu. He's just an older guy who you know, clearly was looking for three years. And they've got a ton of guys crowding the first-base DH area with Vaughn, Sheets, Berger, uh, Eloy Jimenez, and maybe even Grandal. You know, if he's compromised it for any reason behind the dish, then he's fighting in on first DH as well. There was no, no world where Abreu was going back to the White Sox. So I don't see this as like, oh, the White Sox didn't want him. He sucks. I just think it made too much sense with uh, with where they're going. And he's a great fit for Houston. And I think that if he figures out, if Abreu, you know, becomes more of a pole hitter, at home and realizes how nice those crawford boxes can be then i don't even know that the park factor switch is going to hit him that hard it is definitely a switch uh it is definitely a dip going from chicago to houston but you can mitigate it if you lean on that pull field there uh, with the crawford boxes just ask alex bregman about it so i like this abreu move i think he's going to continue to be a high batting average guy with solid pop and then the runs ribbies should be great on on a on a great lineup what do you think of abreu jumping into that uh, Houston lineup in the probably in the four spot, which is why we haven't penciled in right now.
1: If he had played all his games in uh, in Houston, he would have had 22 home runs instead of 15, yeah. Uh um, there you go. Because a lot of a lot of his issues in terms of the power this last year was he was just spraying the ball. Mm-hmm. But he sprayed a lot to left field uh, when he did spray. So uh, he could um, he could take advantage of those Crawford boxes. And now win, now trying to do that. Uh, yeah. I think you could see him, you know, get back to like a 30 home run season, potentially. I Ooh, love that, this. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I love this move for him. Like he's um, not that he was in a bad lineup. The white talks were, you know, a pretty good lineup when they were held. Yeah. Good they, they, they underperformed,
0: but it was because but, of health.
1: I totally is, agree with you. This is easily um, one of the top lineups in all of baseball. Uh, and I don't think they're done adding. We're going to talk about a guy that they're being rumored because what do they need? They probably need a left-handed outfielder right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, gives you, yeah, that gives you, you a know, little idea of who we're going to talk about. Little, little tease right there because uh, they're very, very right-handed, this, uh, this team as constructed. So um, I think they only have two regular lefties um, in the lineup uh, uh, projected right now. But, yeah, no, I like this move. Um, obviously, uh, Andrew Vaughn's value is going to go up. Jose Abreu's uh, value is going to go up mm-hmm. um, kind of uh uh to that. Maybe a little bit back.
0: more confidence in, like, Sheets. If you like Sheets as a late-round mm-hmm. guy, maybe you have a, f- a little bit more confidence in his playing time now that Abreu is officially gone.
1: Yeah, I think that um, – I'll be interested to see. I mean, the White Sox, obviously, we're going to talk about another move that they made here uh, shortly, like, uh, are they going to make an offensive move um, as well here? Because right now they've got uh, we've got Oscar Colas as the guy that uh, we project to uh, be in um, in right, in right yeah.
0: field. I like Oscar Colas a lot, but uh, he's a bit of an all or nothing kind of guy. So we'll, yeah. we'll see if he's ready for opening day. I could see them. Honestly, I could see them going for more of a middle infielder though. To, Colton
1: would look actually pretty good. It's so for that base second base I fill say. in, and um, then you know,
0: I, I don't, I know they don't really want to, but oh, never mind, never mind. I was going to say they could put Sheets in the outfield. This actually has Eloy penciled in the left. Eloy should not touch the outfield. He should be pretty much a perma DH. And I know well, it's they, they,
1: they told him already. To, don't bring your gloves for training. You're oh, not okay. Then he, he is him. going. He is going to be the full time DH. We should tell yeah. Jason that. Um, yeah.
0: And I, I think if he see, you know, if he missed that news, because he'll put him into into the yeah. DH role there for Eloy. But let's talk about their other move. Uh, other move that they made there. Uh, with the White Sox getting like Clevenger. It's not an offensive move, but it's a pitching move. So, you know, they're not uh, not signing a Abreu to be cheap or anything. They're just going to reallocate the money, and some of it's going to go to Clevenger. Now, Clevenger's coming off of his worst season or a very bad one. Let's see. it. Yeah, it, I mean, outside of his, his rookie campaign, 53 innings, when we didn't really know who he was, Since he emerged in 2017, this is far and away his worst season from an ERA standpoint, 433. The 120 whip still wasn't too bad, though. Like, that's not a terrible whip. It was home runs and a lack of dominance that really hurt him, though. 1-6 on the homer per nine rate, which is just sky high. And his strikeout rate, Justin, dipped to 19%. I know a lot of it is the health, right? He lost uh, a mile and a half off the fastball. What's up with Clevenger, and do you trust him at all, uh, going to the White Sox with Ethan Katz and company?
1: Yeah. Um, at this point, I don't trust him at all. Um, I don't either, to be honest. Um, and the beauty of things is I can tell you exactly what I've projected for. Yes, you can. Um, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty darn close to being done with my starting picture projections. Uh, and those of you who are... Um, who, uh or on the Patreon and while my ranks my pitching starting pitcher ranks have now changed to reflect the pro- my projections um and so there's some big changes um I have projected for 135 innings which I think is pretty fair considering he hasn't even thrown that much at the major level since twenty eighteen uh eight wins uh a 122 whip and a dun, dun, dun. A 4.40 ERA, um, so uh,
0: not great. Um, Wait, so even worse than last year. So you're really out yeah. on
1: Clevenger. I mean, you. Look I can't blame the, you. You look at some of the ERA indicators, and they are markedly worse than even what I projected mm-hmm. for it. You know, XFIP of uh, 4.76, a FIP of 4.98, Sierra 4.49. Um, I mean, he. Without that velocity. Now the velocity comes back, and maybe we're talking about a different guy. But sure. um, you know, I mean, he gave up 85% zone contact, which is around league average, but a lot of that contact was hard um, and, and very, is very as well soft. So, so yeah, he's, he's
0: not he's not a young buck trying to trying to get back here. You know, he's he's in the decline phase, trying to recover some of that lost uh, lost velo and everything.
1: Mm-hmm. And and we're talking about a pretty bad park change. Um yeah. you know, so I think that uh you know the division's a good place to pitch, right? Um, but uh, you know, it wasn't like pitching in San Diego, yeah, you you avoid Coors, right? You're not gonna start him a core, so you're gonna avoid that anyways. And you weren't gonna start him against the Dodgers, but like you were still starting him against the, the Giants. Um and the Diamondbacks and uh whatever other oh the rockies at home um but it's not like it's not like like that was a really tough division when he doesn't have to go against his own team right and you're Mm -hmm. avoiding a lot of the potential blowups in colorado or just versus the dodgers in general um so i think a lot of people are like oh it's it's a a much better division to pitch in I, i don't know that it is i to be honest um uh, and so, and it's definitely not a better park to pitch in. Um, yeah, so I'm not a big fan of Clevenger this year. I think he, I think he's still living off some of the name value pre-injury. Oh, no doubt. Uh, and I totally agree with that. At this point, like, what can you project him for innings? Like I, I project him for 135. I feel like that's being pretty generous. I, I went 133. We are dead. E- and yeah. Not dead even, but we are, we are right there in
0: lockstep on these, uh, on these innings here for Clevenger. And I share in all the concerns. Uh, he's not someone I'm really looking at. Obviously, a, a spring could change that. Like you said, the velos—if if the velos back and he's looking more like previous Mike Clevenger—I will adjust. But as it stands right now, I'm coming in pretty cautiously, and I'm not inclined <laughs> to make a big sweeping change on that until my, I see something to make me.
1: My for, for for reference for people, my projection put him at my hundred and seventh pitcher, starting pitcher. Wow. So that's wow. behind JT Brewbreaker. That's behind Ken Waldachuk, um, behind, you know, teammate Michael Kopech, who I don't even like, like, you know, behind Jose Quintana. Like, I mean, yeah, there's, there's so many other names I think I'd much rather have than, than Clevenger. I'm going to see where.
0: Now, I haven't done all mine the way you have, mm-hmm. but uh, just kind of looking, because I, I, I did update Clevenger's after he got moved. It hasn't at eighty right now, and that's without. That's what I'm, I've done, like twenty. Yeah, difference between eighty and one oh seven is like not. Uh, and he's hard probably going to move down because I'm. I'm already hard. seeing guys behind him that I'm going to
1: move up. Yeah, just based on like it's a really really strong starting pitching here. Like you can make it feels the, really good. You can make the argument that you can, especially in your shallower formats, that you shouldn't touch a starting pitcher for quite a while. Like you do a Nick Pollock, right? I was going to say
0: Nick Pollock's dream.
1: Yeah, like this is the perfect season for those of you playing 10 and 12 team leagues um, to just say, uh, I might take a stud, but other than that, like, I'm probably not going to take a starting pitcher in my first five to even 10 rounds. Like, um, uh, I just think it's such an easy year to um, kind of play in the bottom of the pool. Now, I don't think you necessarily should do that because I think it puts you behind, behind teams, like, just a little bit too far, but I think you can make the argument for it.
0: If you want to put in the work, right? If you, yeah. if you if you are in a shower league, you want to be going nonstop at uh, churning and and trying to find uh your pitching that way.
1: That you're like, saying the pool is there for that. I think um, if there was ever a year to think about doing a Labadini and Ors, this might be the year. Ooh, okay. And you're not I'm the, going.
0: What's so Larry for, Labadini is? Yeah, it's so a, Larry
1: Labadini back in the '90s and Ors, um, put together a $9 pitching staff. So two was fantasy picks- baseball back then? Yeah. I think it was the 90s. Maybe it was early 2000s. No, um, it was the 90s. You're right. And uh, and he almost won the league. Um, and, uh, and people have tried versions of it. The hard part with the Labadini, especially in this day and age, is getting saves. But mm-hmm. um, I may try to pull that off this year just to see if I can do it. Do it. So do it. Um, okay. Let's continue on then
0: um, and talk about the guy we've rumored at Houston looking at uh, no, no signing yet, but I do think Houston and uh, division rival Seattle being interested in Michael Conforto is enough to talk about him because obviously we'll, we'll go deeper when he does sign, but I'm just kind of curious where you're at on him. We see that two premium teams are, are at least interested, you know, some, some rumor mongering uh, on, on, uh MLB trade rumors about Conforto I don't know I don't know what that market's going to look like in terms of price I've never been great at guessing prices in general now you throw a guy who hasn't played for a long time and and has been dealing with injuries a, a long time he hasn't played since 2021 but he was also bad that year so the last time we saw him good was in the the covid shortened season so we don't really know what we're dealing with here with conforto mariners and astros two teams that have been rumored right now you mentioned how much of a perfect fit he would be for the astros as a left-handed corner outfielder if he's healthy remember he was discussed about getting picked up this year but then the health ended up being worse and so he ended up you know throwing it out completely didn't he get like another surgery after that or something
1: am i I right on that Feel like that was the case. I want to say like
0: there was an issue, and then it's like, oh no, he's more hurt than we thought. So and then, boom, scrap all of 2022. But so he's coming, you know, coming off some injuries here. Couple things: one, are you drafting Conforto in in DCs right now, sight unseen? Two, what do you realistically expect from him? If, you know, coming into this year, let's let's assume there's a modicum of health that's worthy enough for Houston or Seattle to sign him. Where would you be? And would a good team signing him encourage you?
1: Uh, A good team signing him to a long-term deal would would encourage. Oh, that Mm -hmm. shit ain't happening. Yeah. If he gets a pillow contract, like we talk about this all the time, like there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. Yeah, Um, because you're just not committed. Yeah, I don't know that uh, I would be super enthused by that the
0: article said that Boris suggested that he's looking for a two-year that allows him to opt out after the first. There he uh, goes. You know, like okay, if he pops off instead of getting another 12 mil, like a two-year 24 or something. I don't know. Again, I'm I just guessing the numbers. I'm not great at that. But like if it's something like that, he could opt out for that second year if he comes back and puts up a 130 WRC. And it's like
1: two years 25 million. Something like that. If that uh, if he
0: made fair. he made uh it, in in 21 he made 12.3 mil so yeah two years 25 kind of keep him at that same price and if you prove that you're good to go after the first year you can opt out and try to make more money that makes sense why boris would be looking for that from conforto so what do you what do you realistically expect though because again his last season also wasn't very good 125 games of a 100 ops plus for conforto in 2021 after he had really come into his own for that uh you know you look at yeah. 17 to 20, he was one of the best hitters in the game during that four-year period. So what do you think of Conforto, what can he do once back?
1: I don't think we know. I think that's the big question is, I think he's a huge crapshoot. There's obviously huge upside, but there's obviously huge downside, we We've can kind of both flips of the coin. And, and, you know, with that, shol- shoulder injuries are tricky. Um, I know we worry more about shoulder injuries with pitchers, but with hitters, oh, I-, I mean, i'm terrified on either side yeah anybody like i i have reoccurring shoulder issues from football and the military and things like that and they are constantly a problem um you know and surgeries don't always fix the issue just ask our our good friend jason i was gonna say jason also deals with those issues yeah so um here's the thing like Right now he is a dart throw, but he's going a but, little bit higher than I thought. He thank would you. Be. That was my next question. Is 243 a good enough ADP for you to take that dart throw
0: on Conforto? I'm saying no personally. It sounds like your your voice tells me that you're leaning no as well.
1: I think he's like right on the precipice of like being worthy, but like there are guys he's going around that I like a lot more. Immediately, Immediately. behind
0: him, all three guys I like Guriel, Benintendi, Lux, Peterson. Yeah. All I four. Mean, I'm easily taking over Conforto.
1: Um Lars Newbar is going two ten. Um that's one, that's one of your guys. Ramon Moriano going 22. I'll tell you somebody 20 I, I like it's,
0: I got somebody going 60 picks later than him that I I prefer straight up. Jake Fraley. Yeah. I'm fully back in on the Jake Fraley train. I don't feel I, I actually feel like the finish to his season uh you know justified my my hype on him coming into the year. Injury was the thing that that beat me. Uh, He didn't play. He played 68 games. But once he came back, he looked very good. I'm still very excited about a full season of Jake Fraley in that park. I might not get a full season, but I'm going to take the bet. He put up a 903 OPS after he returned from injury with 11 homers and three steals. That's a 34 and nine full season pace. I don't think he's going to hit 34 homers, but I also think he's going to steal more. So I would take Conforto straight up, or excuse me, I would take Fraley straight up over Conforto and Fraley's 60 picks cheaper. I just don't know how Conforto's price doesn't start with a three. Based on what
1: we've seen he, and haven't he should seen. Be, if he was going right 100 spots later, yeah. right with someone who's a really interesting comp for him in Austin Meadows, I, that I, would be the a name lot of I expense. looked
0: right at. And I was going to tell you, are you taking 347 Austin Meadows or Comforto 242? You got to go Meadows, right?
1: I think you could make the argument. I think I will make the argument. I'd take Austin Meadows straight up over. Exactly. So because he's going to play it some, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah, I
0: don't, I don't. Here, I don't here's, a, here's another interesting one as far as like comps. They have different injuries, but uh, we're worried about Alex Kirloff and, and the cons- consistent wrist issue. He's at 406. I like that a lot better than Conforto at 242. I know. We're I hate that at Kirloff. this point. <laughs> I, you hate it. Yeah.
1: Was, I, I mean, yeah, because like, what has he done? Like on top of being injured, he like, at least Conforto has shown he can be good at the major league level. A long time ago, though, and he's, he's I just don't think Conforto's going to be that guy. So I don't
0: give him a whole lot of credit for that work at this point because I don't know that we're getting like, that. Okay, guy.
1: like in if Kirilov stayed healthy mm-hmm. and put together, I don't want to say like you know ninety percentile, but like seventy percentile. I don't even know what that is for because he just has not been. He's not like, played enough in the majors to really have any clue. That's fair. But I, I think an upper upper end area
0: is like a 285 average with 18 homers and decent runs
1: ribbies. No, I think that's fine. But that's not, like, that's not the upside I'm shooting for with like a 70th percentile. It's kind of what Conforto did in that four-year run.
0: Or, or actually, the power its, a, it's actually not quite because in 2017 to 2020, Conforto hit 265 with an average of 24 homers, and I said upper teens homers with a better average. So it's—it's it's close. It's a little bit, a little bit different there. But bottom line is, again, we don't have to beat the dead horse. I think we're out on Conforto at that price. He signs with Houston tomorrow. What—what—what what, what is your reaction if that happens?
1: I think his price goes to the fucking roof, and I won't. Touch and so him. you could they never go. get him then. Yeah, if he's no. already
0: here. Unsigned, we know he's gonna go up when he signs. Everyone does, even a little. Especially if he up.
1: signs with a contender,
0: like yeah, unless um, unless you're a pitcher who signs with Colorado or well, there's outliers, but for the most part in the NFPC market, when you sign, you go up. There is a yeah. discount to being unsigned, so you instantly go up a little bit. If he's already 243, 242,
1: I can't pay what the Houston yeah. price is gonna be. Yeah, he I mean, I'm gonna start doing my ADP market trend articles probably. Later soon, this week. right? Because uh, December
0: is usually when you, I can't believe we're already yeah. in December. By the way,
1: yeah, I'll probably have my first one out either Thursday or Friday, probably Friday, because um, December first is Thursday. So, uh, but yeah, the any, any time a player is in the news, I was talking about this with somebody. Like, it doesn't even have to be for like a good reason. They go up like that's mm-hmm. Just typically, unless they get really get traded to a place where they're they're gonna lose playing time or something like that. Yeah, um, so. Uh, Yeah, I mean, conform to the moment he's in the news, he becomes a top 200 pick. Gross. And I just, even with outfield being so bad, there's no way I'm doing that.
0: Yep. Yep, the, sa- the same guys that we talked about are then going to have a bigger split from him price-wise, and there's just no way. So I wish Conforto the best, and if I see a, uh, you know him looking like the 2017 to 2020 Conforto in spring, I will adjust. But right now, on November 29th, you couldn't get me to pay that price for Conforto. Okay. All right, we've seen a couple uh, non-tenders sign, including a former Tiger. We've got uh, Jamer Candelario going out to the Nats. On a five-year deal with uh, incentives that could put uh, 5 years, excuse me, a five-million-dollar one-year deal with incentives that could push it up another milli. Um, he was a huge, huge disappointment for folks. People bought in after his 2021. Understandably, it was a really nice season coming off the 2020 as well, which of course was the shortened season. Got a taste of what he could do. He did. A, he, he put up a full season, you know, near that 2020 level. People were pretty excited. And he cratered this year. And he was one of your big, uh, you know, power guys, mediocre power guys getting hit by the power dip. And uh, that's exactly what happened. I mean, he and Scope just fell Mm -hmm. apart in this universe with the the squish ball. Now, this is a nice park move for Jamer Candelario as a switch hitter. What do you think of Jamer Candelario as a – as a nat are you excited by this the playing time should be there he's going from one bad team to another they're trying to buy on the uh on the discount here are you interested in buying at his uh rebound price which candy is going pretty cheap right now I'll get the exact number but what do you think of candelario as a nat
1: oh man <clears throat> I'm sorry
0: I'm, I'm I'm feeling a little emotional you choked up about candy it's not about Candy.
1: It's about my boy Carter. Oh, that that's right.
0: That is what it's about. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize you were in right now. Yeah. Yeah, He's in trouble now.
1: It's just, it's just not going to happen. It's, it's, he's 24 and it's just never going to 25 now. And it's never, never going to happen for probably not. Uh, not. 24 isn't even old, but it's age 27. You watch out for Carter. I'll write a whole article about it. Um, I so love can't. the park change for yeah. Candelaria. Like, I mean, you, you've got to love the park change because I think you know one of the things we've tried to talk about a lot in the last year or so is just like how good of a hitter's park, uh, Nationals Park is. Um, and I will so, say this though, it's funny that
0: the year that we gassed it up, it fell off a little bit, in yeah. twenty and twenty-one. But overall, it's and it's way better than Comerica, right? So yeah. Even though it did come back to the pack a bit, um, it's still it's still a big upgrade. He's going you know, from 24th
1: to the 15th park over the last three years. Yeah. So, he, would had, he would have had 17 home runs as opposed to the 13 that he, that he got. Four more um, is a lot. And yeah. just for reference,
0: these are three-year running averages, and coming into the year, Nats Park was fifth. So it did have a big fall off mm-hmm. this year. The, it did, And park factors do change like that. It, I know that shocks people that you think that they're static. All sorts of different things can come into play. Architecture can change things, scoreboards, uh wind patterns change. Obviously, climate patterns change. Uh, so things can change. Nats Park did go down a bit. It's still an unquestionable upgrade for Candelario,
1: though. And I think one of the big things too is he's probably gonna hit fifth in this lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, he's I'm gonna play. Third. They already guaranteed me I'm hitting third. Oh, nice. I mean, you you could with the way this Nats lineup um is shaping up. They have a guy who is projected at seventh that I don't think is a real player. Not a real player. I, I know, think like,
0: Jason's just putting guys out there to see if we're yeah, paying attention. His
1: name is Jake uh, uh, you, Alu Alu Alu, a um, And that to me sounds like when you are playing like Madden. I think you probably do this in MLB the show too. Um but like in Madden, I would like I would just like simulate like twenty seasons. Oh yeah. Um, and you just get rando names, and and you just get like the generic white guy first name with the ethnic last name. Yes, yes. And there you go, It's Jake Allu. Um So, uh, yeah, Kendall Aria. It's a really bad lineup. Um, this is a really, really, really bad lineup. But he is going to hit fourth or fifth, likely in the lineup. He's going to play every day. It's a great part change. He is the perfect draft champions guy. Right? especially um, at this
0: this price and it's going to go up like we just said about guys absolutely well yeah but even if it goes up 100 picks do you know where he would be and if you haven't I looked don't. it up yet if he went up 100 picks jamer candelario would still be 466 he's at 566 yeah. right now he is an afterthought the the league or the the market has quit him they do not care you pull him up to 466 he's in between Kyle Farmer and Brett Beatty. Yeah, I don't even think he's gonna move up that many picks. But even if he does, that's still very affordable. I'm in. I'll take a shot. Why not? Yeah, it's a yeah. reserve pick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, like I said, I think he's a perfect guy for um for draft champion. Yep. Um,
0: Jamer so. Candelario, new Nat, take a look. Definitely a price yep. to buy. So if you liked him at any point, I think you jump back in. Absolutely. Carlos Santana gonna go play with the Pirates. He's been doing his kind of uh, crummy team tour. I mean, I know he played for, for Seattle last year. They're not crummy. I'm not I'm not roasting them. I, oh, actually, you know what? Never mind. I thought he played for another crummy team in between Philly and KC, but he went back to Cleveland, mm-hmm. and they were good. So no, that I, I'm I'm wrong on that. It's just KC. But he does go from uh, KC played a little bit with Seattle last year, where he did bounce back a bit. Uh, but now he goes to Pittsburgh. We know he can still take his walks, right? The the patience is still there with Carlos Santana, but that's kind of all there is. There's, there's a little bit of punch, again, that he kind of recaptured with Seattle. He had a 208 ISO with them after posting a 125 with KC. So he winds up for 174 on the year, which was a three-year high, 14% walk rate, 17% K rate. The thing of it is, when you see a plate approach like that, you usually say, hey, This could be a good batting average type of guy. He's 36 at 37 this year. So he gets no infield hits. His bad hips have always sucked. There's no average here. It's OBP and some punch. I think it has to be a pretty specific league for Carlos Santana, specifically on that OBP. Uh, You got to have OBP as a category. But what do you think of uh, Carlos Santana as a pirate? Does he play every day out there?
1: Uh, not if he continues to struggle the way he has against right-handed pitching. Um, uh, I mean, he... he oh, I had a second ago. Um, he had 178 against righties. Jeez. He had 265 against lefties. He's a lefty killer. Um, what are the Pirates doing? You I know? Like, don't know, dude.
0: Like I I just—I
1: really don't know that, that lewin Diaz good, is good or Ryan is good. Sorry, lewin Diaz is good or... Uh, Ryan velade but they signed G Man but, Choi.
0: Um, are they traded he,
1: for G Man Choi? Like, w- oh yeah, Santana's not playing the field. He's,
0: he's the B- no, no, he's player. DH. But like, why? Why would you get a perma DH if you're Pittsburgh?
1: No, I just I don't know. Like, this I, is a stupid deal. Yeah, I um. This feels like they want to try to let him play and see if he can be anything in the first half. Not gonna get shit for him. You might get like a low A reliever. What did Casey get? Let's see. Hang on. Let's see what Casey. Because
0: remember, oh yeah, they got uh, they got William Will Fleming and Wyatt Mills. I remember that he Santana had like a little surge right before he got traded. It was like the perfect time because then Ty France got hurt. Seattle needed a guy. It was a perfect storm. And Wyatt Mills is a major league reliever. He ended up, you know, getting 20 innings for, for KC. I guess maybe it's just because I'm a little bit of a Lewin Diaz honk. I, I would just play him. I, I this is a dumb
1: move for the Pirates. They're so stupid. Uh yeah. I I, I think they
0: got Miguel Andahar too. Why not just play yeah, him every day
1: at DH? Yeah. Especially <laughs> because he's probably the short side of platoon, which is where like Where Santana is going to play, so like, yeah,
0: this is a this is a stupid move. I'm sorry, uh, and I I have no interest in him in any any league format right now. Even OBP's. I'm listen. I've been a Santana guy throughout his career. He's awesome. He's an OBP guy, and you know, a stats nerd. But he's
1: 37. I'm done. I'm all um, good on that. If I'm reading uh, Sport Track right right now, he's got the third highest annual salary on the Pirates.
0: And it's, it's signings like this to where they, like, pay lip service to, hey, we, we made some moves. It's like, cool. Why?
1: Why did you make this move? Yeah, yeah Brian now, Hayes now and it's Brian a, Reynolds. Now with the draft being, like, a lottery-esque type thing, mm-hmm. like, why even, like, tank? Like, yes. if you're going to pay $7 million to someone, like, there's, like... Trey Mancini is going to get, like, $7 million. Bring a yep. Trey Mancini.
0: Yep. Something like, that has some upside here. You like, know? I'm sorry. I know we're bagging out on Santana here, but, like, I just – this makes no sense for a team like Pittsburgh. It makes no logical
1: sense. I Yeah, I mean, I just I, – Especially
0: I after getting G-Man Choi and claiming Le'Win Diaz weeks earlier. Yeah. What are they doing? So, yeah, again, I don't want to beat the dead horse on it. I think we've said our piece here. We're not paying the price. Even
1: worse, I mean, I'm sorry. Like even worse than like spending the money is taking up a 40 man spot. Yes, for a guy, especially like especially with or, their system or or the major league roster. Like, I mean, you have guys that like could just be utility guys that are like worth like. Taking a look at mm-hmm. and seeing if they are part of Diego Castillo. That's know. exactly what I was going to say. At this yeah. point, he is G- you Bay. Like, are are you sending both these guys back down the minors so you can have Carlos Santana be your DH? I, yeah, they I are. mean, good on Carlos Santana.
0: You know, hey, get another get contact. your bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get get your seven milli. But it just it defies logic, and, and I think and it's so. A really for,
1: and so I got a question, yeah, or in my chat yesterday mm-hmm. about Andy Rodriguez. Um, and whether or not he was going to be up early this year, it's still the Pirates. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we, we, like, we
0: don't know. He's an interesting catcher with uh, really sharp plate skills, right?
1: Yes. Um, and I think he will be a very interesting catcher. Like, I don't think he's going to be a star or anything like that, but I think he, he's going to be um, a guy that does just enough at everything and won't hurt your batting average, which I think is yeah. even more important. But in that park, I don't think he's got, like, a massive amount of power or anything. Um, but there are but, a lot of people who are really excited really about was... him because he is ready. He's mm-hmm. still not going to be up before Memorial Day.
0: Probably not, given them. And he did only have six games at AAA. So, yeah, right. I, I could see. They I held see the down yeah. until mid-June. In fairness, his plate approach was disastrous. In, in, but he also come comparison. up to the
1: majors and yeah. just rake for, like, 10 days like yeah he, i mean like he, he did
0: hit in the sample that he had and
1: then like they knew like setting him down was gonna like change the plate approach like, it, like no he is, not, he is he's yeah he's he's a 30 30 guy with like a 220 batting average i yeah. love o'neill you just gotta forward. let him play but no, uh, i'm with you on and indy
0: be careful getting too excited for him now draft champion season's what we're in and you probably need four catchers unless you go high three is still the minimum for me so um will. i'd be okay drafting him as my fourth Still he's 470 off there's the too board. many. There's too many catchers. And that uh, doesn't even matter, man. Shayla Galeers and
1: Morales and like these guys who like. The guys like, going
0: after him aren't very good.
1: Yeah. What's his.
0: Jacob Stallings. He's 470 ADP. Yeah, but what does
1: that
0: NBA? put in the catcher? Uh, 32. Uh, really? He could be. Wow, pretty- he's pretty heavily influenced by the three hundred oh, I mean, that he has too.
1: Yeah, I mean that that may be uh, he he's going way too high. Uh, give me um campesano Navare, Mejia, Alpha well. How far Why Mejia? Them. Why? He's gonna play. No he's not.
0: He can't catch. It
1: doesn't matter. You has got to see in front of his name. I don't think they're gonna give play me that Jacob much. Stallings. You know, maybe. Um, he
0: has Maldonado's is gonna head. be a everyday player somewhere. No, um, you do not want Maldonado
1: over Andy Rodriguez. Disagree. Um, give me uh, Matt Dice, uh, uh, mm. Tucker Barnhart, uh, no. uh, Sidney Savala. No, uh,
0: you didn't even say one of the guys I actually would take, which is James McCann.
1: P.J. Higgins, James you know. McCann, everything's fine. Um, yeah, no, nah, I'll take all those. Like he's not going to be up until like mid-season, and even then, like the upside isn't worth, maybe. You don't worth know that you, of holding you, you, a are, zero.
0: you are. That is your guess. That is not Stone Cold. Um, they only have Ali Sanchez right now. You know,
1: board bet it. Board bet it sure. right now. Absolutely, put it uh, in. He will before not before Memorial Day. Yeah, he will not be up before Memorial Day. Yes, he will.
0: Put it up. Right. This, this is like the,
1: the saddest board bet ever. And It's really not because we will make way sadder ones.
0: But oh yeah, we absolutely will. But
1: they'll be fun. They'll be very fun. Let me. Uh, oh,
0: I was good. I just refreshed trade rumors. We got. We're gonna do another hour on the show because the Angels just signed Jonathan Holder, and we got to do another. We got to do a huge breakdown of Jonathan Holder going to the Angels. <laughs> no actually i don't see any other moves so i think uh we'll go ahead and cut it here because we're gonna be talking starters on friday and you know yeah. we'll be going crazy on that
1: yeah do you think that um all these kind of minor signings and i don't want to say jose breeders a minor signing i don't think he's a minor signing at all but um we're seeing a lot of early action do you think this is just like the trickle before the dam explodes Because i feel like like, by Christmas, we're going to get all the major guys signed. i some hoping.
0: Ooh, I, I hope you're right on that. I don't know about all of them. I think
1: um, – Or at least think, a fair share of them.
0: I think a big chunk is going to start to fall off here, right? Winter meetings are going to happen soon. And, uh, you know, Rule 5, uh, not that that decides a whole bunch, but that'll get some more roster settling. I think we're going to start to see some moves coming up here. I don't think it's going to be – Uh, like a few off seasons ago when uh, not the lockout one, but the one where everything just took Mm -hmm. forever guys weren't, the studs weren't signing until like late January. I think we're going to get a normal one, which means a big flood of moves should happen in December before the holidays. I agree with you there. Um, So yeah, I I hope it is a little bit of the calm before the storm here. We're getting a little trickle here and there. I'm ready. I'm ready for the, uh, for the spigot to be turned and and let's get a bunch of moves. I I want to be writing up fallout pieces, you know, like what, what's the fantasy fallout to these. I want to be writing them left and right. So yeah, that's, I, that's what I'm hoping.
1: I don't know that I'm gonna do a draft guide this year, but I mean, writing draft guides with guys on sign is just awful. Like it's just nightmare, nightmare. Yeah. You just have to get, you have to keep writing the same thing.
0: It just depends on where he goes. It just depends on where he goes. And you feel repetitive, but you have to say it because then the first time you don't, they're like, "Oh, I guess he likes this guy." No matter what, you know, it's like yeah. that type of thing. So, anyway. Great talking with you. We got some impactful moves here, but I'm ready for the big impact. And obviously, if some come between now and Friday, we will still talk about those ahead of the pitchers. But we're going to focus on starting pitchers, particularly your ranks and your projections. And I want to talk some uh, some theory stuff, too, because we were talking about, you know, what do you do when your projection that you believe in? You believe in the numbers, but it jumps a guy to a rank that you're like, whoa. Do I want him this? That's, high? that's the and magic question. Because yeah, so when we I, will answer it on Friday. We're not gonna yeah, get into
1: it. But uh, that you was, and I were talking about this prior, like first half hour before he actually started recording. Um, and there were guys that jumped like or fell, and I yep. went And like it was shocked me. Like, I know because because when you put numbers to it, that's the thing. Like,
0: um, we say this a lot about making lists. Like, when you disagree with the list, by the way, I'm fine with people disagreeing with my lists and going back and forth with me. But a lot of times it's like, now make your list. You know, it's easy to critique a list, but then when you got to start listing them, Mm -hmm. it, it gets tough. And so I think this is a whole thing of like, well, I feel this guy should be ranked here and I feel this guy should be ranked here. But then when you put numbers to it, that's when shit really gets real and i'm eager to see how you've dealt with that with some guys that have skyrocketed some guys that have plummeted mm-hmm. and uh how you're dealing with your favorites and if you did project 210 innings for andrew heaney the way i believe you probably did
1: oh, but we'll discuss fair.
0: that on friday well well, we'll talk about friday. andrew
1: heaney for sure because he's definitely higher than he probably should be on on, <laughs> on in my projections and on my ranks um big shout out to tanner bell though uh yes. uh Tanner Bell does this uh, this software or it's not software, It's a spreadsheet. Uh, it's an Excel sheet that um, you can download any projections, even your own projections, into them, and he will do all the SPG uh, work for you. Standing um, gains points. Yep. Yeah, to get your um, you know your auction values, you can change your league settings, um, and he has made my life so much easier. Uh, it's seven fantasy
0: baseball.com for 18 yeah. bucks,
1: 17 $17.99. $17.99.
0: absolutely worth it. If it's something that you're interested in, even if you don't want to do like a whole ranking set or projection mm-hmm. set, you can go in, you can put steamer and you can make a few changes to the 50 you guys can. that you care about the most or things like that. Like you can do whatever you want with it. The, you the can also,
1: you can also do like an ATC, which is an aggregator of, of multiple projections. Yep. So you can put, you know, the bat in, you can put steamer in, you can put depth charts or, um, uh, zips, you know, things like that. Um, and then have it average and weight different ones differently, um, to get what you think is the best one. So, mm-hmm. um, it's a it's really a great tool. And 18 bucks is just such a such a cheap price. Um, so yeah, smartfantasybaseball.com for that. They also have a points league one for those of you in points leagues. So, yes, and um, if you haven't
0: gotten the process, the book that, you know, yes, the uh, Jeff, Jeff, Zimmerman, Jeff Zimmerman's yeah. book. It's going to make you a better player. Just yeah, flat out, you know, if you're looking for things, I don't know what to put on my Christmas list. I always buy myself whatever I want. Put the process by uh, Tanner and Jeff and the Baseball HQ Forecaster. If you're not getting those already and you're looking for ideas to give a loved one uh, to get you for a gift, get those two things. And throw the spreadsheet on there, too. That could mm-hmm. be a gift at 18 bucks, it's, uh, it's a gift that's well worth its price. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, big shouts to Tanner Bell and Jeff Zimmerman on that stuff. Excellent, excellent. And I've been loving messing with the uh with, with the sheet because I, bu- I bought the book last year. I read a lot of the book last year, but I didn't have the sheet. And this year I've been messing with and, the sheet and it's been a lot of fun.
1: And the sheet works as a live draft tool. So yes. um, you know, I used it for my main event in Vegas, uh and for some of my other I think my tout wars draft as well. So um you will it, get a it, ton of usage out of it. Yeah, it, it's I mean seventeen dollars is or eighteen dollars is uh, a steal. I, I completely agree. So, so go support that
0: at smart We'll be back Friday and the us just scored a goal, right? As we're leaving here, but I think he got kicked
1: in the nuts. Well,
0: it's worth a goal, right? You Take know what?
1: Shot. Sacrifices have to be made. For got it. Glory. Cause that's how um, they, they have to win is, to
0: advance. I believe. It, yeah. They, they do.
1: Is it one nothing? Yeah. It's
0: one nil. Okay. Uh, I, literally as oh. we're, as we're signing off here, they score. So yeah.
1: I mean, I could not care less about soccer. <laughs> Um,
0: I, I, I've I've been a, uh, a modest. Like I'm, a, I'm a very both for
1: just like unabashed and senseless patriotism. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, this might be offsides though. Uh, they're saying that I don't know. Anyway, was there a yellow flag thrown? That's usually it's a yellow it's a yellow card, not a yellow, yellow flag.
0: No, 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 no. Don't start this. Don't start with the soccer people. The, they yeah. eat
1: a Sunday, They're they're vicious. Man, they'll eat you alive. Like I haven't made any jokes on Twitter because I'm afraid of the soccer. Yeah, you football.
0: you you will get got. I I, I I like soccer. I don't understand all of it, um, but I am a relatively new fan. The last like decade or so, I've kept. Paying I really like an explanation of, of
1: how Wales is their own team, and that I didn't really understand either. England, I yeah, um, both in the it, same
0: pool too, right? Yeah, it's like can it like, yeah. we just play England twice, then
1: right? Yeah, like, I I, I mean know. that that'd be like Massachusetts getting their own team in the u.s like i i mean i know that england, like it's the united kingdom and they're each mm-hmm. their own separate entities and stuff like but then that why didn't but they all get their own team i don't know maybe someone can
0: explain that well I, I
1: think they all do but not all of them qualify. oh yeah that's
0: true that's true that's true so there's an england national team and then there's one for each of the this scotland nations and north yeah. ireland and, yeah um I, I, wales and then is there one more Oh man! I, should, you would think, as a knowing. history, I yeah, the history us, degree, would know both this. Both of us are failing. I
1: yeah. believe it. I, I'm sure there's more. Like it's, it's Scotland, Wales,
0: no, England, England North Scotland, Island. Wales, and North Ireland. We got it right. Okay, all right. We got got it, right. right. Okay. Whew. Let's stop embarrassing ourselves. Let's talk Friday. Starting pitchers. I'll talk to you then. I hope you feel better. By the way. Nice. Peace.
1: Take it easy.